It is great to see. It's been a great weekend. God has moved. We're celebrating the Lord's Supper. People have been prayed for. Decisions have been made at every campus. It is just exciting. I want to welcome you, no matter what campus you're at, Pellissippi or Blount County or North Knoxville, downtown UT. Maybe you're on the internet somewhere around the world. We're glad that you're with us. And hopefully in another couple weekends, I'll add Campbell County and Anderson County to the welcome of our campuses. LifePoint Church votes this morning to be a part of all that God is doing at Faith Promise Church. And it's amazing how God is blessing our church. It is just unbelievable where people are coming from and how God is saving and the miracles. Brad and I, our missions pastor in El Salvador last week, had 2,009 people bow their knee and give their heart to Jesus. And we're just getting to watch stuff. And Now, before I get in the, the we do the last message in the series, you asked for it. Uh, we have what we call a core here. And it's people who have been saved and baptized, not necessarily here, but saved baptized. They've been in the Next Steps class, and they are, they're serving, they're in a group growing, and they're giving, and, and they become what we call the core, the members. And a lot of folks right now want to be a part of the core, and that you have stalled because, frankly, we've learned that we don't have enough small groups that everyone can get in a group. So we are right now in the process of training 100 new group leaders recruiting and training at 20 new coaches, then we'll launch those this summer so that other people can come be a part. That's our fault. It's not your fault. And, and while I'm talking about that, let me say that many of you are in a group and should be leading a group. Are you with me? Come on. I mean, you know that you've loved one before, you're capable, but you know, you love the group that you're in, but we've got to make more room for more people. We're always about expanding, putting another leaf in the table and, and taking the tent pegs out and making more room for more people at Faith Promise. Amen? We're going to make it hard to go to hell. And so a lot of you need to be, so let us know. We're going to do some training in the next few months to come and get all those ready for our fall family alignment. And so that's great. Some of you asked the question, but Pastor, how do I know if I'm supposed to lead a group? And that's such a great question. I'm so glad you asked that question. And we ask that question with a lot of different things. How do I know who I'm supposed to marry? How do I know what I'm supposed to major in? How do I know what my job ought to be? How do I know where I should move? Should I take this promotion? Should I, you know, should I let my company move me to another city, another state? On and on and on. We ask questions and questions and questions. And, and, and we really want to know the will of God. And if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, some of you are not. In all of our campuses, we've got people who are coming. They're sort of kicking the Christian tires. They're watching us, trying to decide if they really want to follow Jesus. And so if you're not there yet, that's cool. But if you are a born-again believer, then you have a desire to know his desires. Would you agree with that? See, you want to know the will of God. You want to know what God wants to do. And this is what I'm firmly committed in, that God knows best. Y'all believe that God knows best? Say amen. So God knows best, and God doesn't hide his will. Now, part of the problem with understanding and doing the will of God is we want God's concealed will, and we don't necessarily want God's revealed will. God has revealed his will through the word, and people say, well, give us more, make it deeper, teach us, do all these things, but you are not yet doing the things that God has already revealed to you. And so in this series, we're, ask, we're answering questions that you have asked. That's why we entitled it, You Asked For It. 
And one of our values at Faith Promise Church is God gets the last word. Do we still believe the Bible at Faith Promise Church? All right, 12 of you. Do we still believe the word at Faith Promise? All right. Now, let me warn you in this message. This message is going to come across very simple. It is not simplistic. And you will be able to, if you so choose, to twist this message and, and potentially do things that God does not want you to do. So we have five things that I'm going to ask you, are you? And then I'm going to tell you how to know the will of God. If, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here's the deal. Step number one is this. Are you saved? Anybody born again in any of our campuses? Anybody? All right. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about knowing Jesus. Been 32 years. I hadn't gotten over it. Still thrilled about it. Still wake up every day excited to know the Lord. And, and so are you born again? Romans 10, 13, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got to come upon your life that you realize that God is holy and perfect and that we are not, that our sin has separated us from our God, and that we need a Savior. And Jesus paid for our sins. And so Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son. And so step number one is, is hearing the gospel and saying, yes, I want to turn away from my old life and I want to put all my faith and trust in Jesus. That's step number one. So step number one is, are you what? Are you what? Step number two is, are you spirit-filled? The scripture says in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16 goes on and says this, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Let me tell you what these two verses and many others mean. And so my question is, are you surrendered and submitted to the Holy Spirit today? Are you, does he have full control? And I, I'm going to be honest, every day when I get up, I get in my journal, and man, I get before the face of God and I say, today, Lord, I want to surrender and submit all that I am, all that I know, all that I'm able to, to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to yield to you. I want to be saturated, dominated, permeated, controlled, and consumed by your power and your control. I can't, but you can. Chris must decrease. Christ must increase. And so have your way today. Take control of this vessel. Is that God's will for every believer? See, what a lot of us do is we get saved and, and the Spirit of God comes on us and we never ever think again about relinquishing control to the Holy Spirit. We, we just never think about that. So let me ask, could you ask, could you say today <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit is in full control of your body? See, it's not as loud a yes to that as it was to are you saved, is it? That's a more difficult deal, but it's a daily deal. Paul said, I die daily to Paul and I live to Jesus. I must decrease, John said, and he must increase. So step number one, are you what? Step number two, are you? Oh, y'all are good. Step number three, are you sanctified? I love that word. That word sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Are you sanctified? Have you been justified and are you glorified? I mean, that sounds good, doesn't it? Come on, man. Somebody help me preach in the house this weekend. Are you justified and sanctified and glorified? It just sounds good. But this is what, <laughs> help me, Jesus, I've lost it. This is what, 
The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we started in our first PG-13 weekend with this passage. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, which means to be set apart for the use of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel, your body, in sanctification and in honor. The Bible says that there are some vessels for common use and some vessels for honorable use. When you were born again, you became property of God, right? And so as that, now your body is a vessel, now that it's been set apart for use by God. You're a saint. You're a building block. You're part of his temple. Your body is not your own. It is the temple of God. And so we are to be sanctified. We're to be set apart for God, right? Did you agree with that? So what's step? What's one? Two? Three? Oh, come on. You didn't even say that word. What? Help me with sanctified. Give it to me one more time. Oh, that's better. Y'all about to get spiritual in the house this weekend. Sanctified. And number four, are you saturated in the scriptures? Psalms 119.11, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Or he goes on, I love Psalms 37.4. It's really sort of the crux of this brief message this weekend. Delight yourself in the Lord, or other versions say in the law of the Lord. If you'll delight yourself in the Lord, which is the living word, and you'll delight yourself in the Bible, which is the written word. If you'll delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the what? Desires. That is a key word. I want you to get that. If you write in your Bible, circle that word. He will give you the desires of your heart. So if you are saturated in the scripture, then he, he will lead you by your desires. Now, as a saint, as those that are born again, we live in a culture, in a world that's anti-Christian by and large. And so we're going to be confronted every day with ideas, with cultural ideas. We're going to be confronted with temptation. And if we are not saturated in the scripture, we will much more easily fall prey and fall out of the will of God because we do not know the word of God. Does that, does that, make, does that make sense? And so you got to be saturated. So it's the sword of the spirit. So you know how to defend yourself. But this is what, and I've been, I've been in the ministry 31 years. This is what I've heard a million times, especially back when I used to counsel or do premarital counseling and all that kind of stuff before I realized how terrible I was and quit. Because if you come to me, I really don't want to hear your story. I just want to fix it. And so people come there, they've talked about five minutes. Okay, I know what's wrong. Here, do this. Now get out. And just, you know what I'm talking about? It's, I found out I'm low on empathy. It was a shocker, really. It was hurt my heart. But some young lady would come in and, and you know, some, girl, some young single in our church, and she'd be dragging by some heathen dog into my office that she's going to marry. Are you with me? I'm talking about a heathen dog. And they'd walk in, and she's a saint, and he's an ain't. And, and, they, and, they would, and they would come to me, and they'd say, Pastor, we want to get married. We want to do premarital counseling. I said, well, it's great, thrilled. You know, and I would look at her, and I've known her for years, been her pastor. I said, man, it's so exciting. God's brought you a man. Now, let me talk to your man here. By the way, tell me, when did you give your heart to Jesus? I didn't. Do you go to church? No. What about the things of God? Can't stand him. And I would look at her and say, he is a capital L loser. Are you with me? Are you following? And she would say, but I, oh, yeah, I love him. I love him. God. God brought him to me. No, he didn't. Because God never goes according to his word. Are you with me? 
And so she's sitting here saying, it's God's will for me to marry him. I'm saying the Bible says clearly right here in 1 Corinthians, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Well, I know what the Bible says, but, and whenever you put a but behind the Bible, you're about to not do the Bible. I know what the Bible says, but God brought him a life and I'm going to marry him and he's going to get saved later. No, he's not. And you're going to marry this guy and you're going to have kids and your little boy's going to be seven years old and you're going to say, Junior, go get dressed. We're going to church. And he's going to say, no, I'm not. And you're going to say, yes, you are. No, if daddy doesn't have to go, then neither do I. Are you with me? Now, she didn't listen eight or nine years before when I said don't marry him. She walks down to the aisle weeping. Pastor, pray for my husband. He's lost. I know. I told you not to marry that loser. <laughs> you don't missionary date. Because, see, you marry who you, who you date. Only date believers. Are you with me? And I could have, listen, I could have so many people stand up and give testimony. Now, sometimes there's a redeeming in. He actually does get saved. Or it's a saved guy. Rarely, but maybe it's the same guy that's dating an unbelieving girl. See, we know what the Bible says, but does this make sense? See, you got to be saturated in the scripture and be willing to obey the word. Is everybody okay? Y'all looks a little shocker. Y'all all right out there? And so this is, so what's, what's number one? Number two. Number three. Oh my, come on. What's number three? There we go. I could just feel that. Come on. Number <laughs> I'm so bad. This is the last service of the day. I apologize. Uh, what's number four? Saturated script. Number five, surrounded by saints. This is one of the many reasons why we have small groups at Faith Promise Church. Because, because we all will be tempted to step out of the will of God. Is that right? So we're all tempted to do that, and this is the deal. We need to be surrounded by saints who will help protect us, pray for us, help hold us accountable, make sure we don't blow it. You know, guys getting together in a group and girls getting together in that group and, you know, really, I mean, all the couples studying if it's a married group or whatever, and we do that. It's, you ever seen kids bowl when they got gutter guards in? See, I like that. And so, and so what a small group is, what surrounded by saints really is, is that you, are, you have gutter guards. Because you start going this way, and you're about to fall in the gutter, and, you, and a brother or sister says, hey, oh, 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 we get, we get directed back in. Then we get to this side, whoa, 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 whoa. Right, is it, you know what I'm talking about? See, Christianity's not an individual sport, it's a team sport. And we do this thing together, and we serve God together, and we help each other, because we all have blind spots, don't we? I mean, we, we have blind spots, and we've got we, we've to be careful. I was out to lunch with... Bob Potiti was our children of elders. He's actually in this service. And we, we were coming back from lunch. And, and, you know, I'd learn to look over whoever's driving shoulder. Because I trained three kids to drive. And they wrecked a, a lot. <laughs> a lot. And so, and so Bob was turning. And he didn't realize there were three turning lanes. And he just turned right. And he's about to turn into a car. I just grabbed the wheel and pulled it back in our lane. And we kept going. And he leaned over me. He said, I about hit that car. <laughs> well, yeah, Bob, you did. 
but I got us back in the right lane. See, that's what we do for each other. Does that make sense? We help get the wheel back in the right lane. And if I was driving, Bob would have done the same thing for me. That's what we do for each other. That's how we, that's, that's what we do. So, all right, five things you got to be. Number one is what? Number two is? Number three? Oh, praise God. Amen. Number four? And number five? Okay, if you are doing one through five, then you can do whatever you want. What'd he say? <laughs> he said, I could do whatever I wanted. Absolutely. Now, this is where it's simple yet not simplistic. If you are saved and you're spirit-filled, you're yielded to the Holy Spirit, that you are saturated in the word and you are surrendered, that, you are, that you're surrounded by people who love God and love you, then you can do whatever you want. Because, see, the Bible says if you delight yourself in the law and the Lord, he will give you the what? The desires of your heart. So he drives you by your desires. Now, this is where it could get dangerous. You can say, well, I really want to do this and know it's against the word, but I'm going to do it because the pastor said I could do whatever I wanted. It's simple. It's not simplistic. Does this make sense? And it'd be like this. I get a call this week from First Baptist Church of Podunk Holler. And the, it's the pulpit committee, the chairman of the pulpit committee. He calls, he said, Dr. Stevens. Yes. So we've been praying over here at Podunk Holler, and we believe that God has spoken, and we believe that he wants you to be our next pastor. We want you to pray about that. I'll say, okay, thank you. I don't want to be. Now, pastor, you've got to pray about that. No, I don't need to pray about that. No, 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 you got to pray about that because we've all prayed. No, 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 I don't. Well, how do you know that it's not God's will for you to come be our pastor? Because they don't want to. Because if I went to First Baptist, there'd be a killing. <clears throat> Somebody would die. And I don't want to. And they, they say, but you've got to pray about it. No, God guides me by my desires. Are you with me? And I don't want to leave Faith Promise. I love Faith Promise Church. I'm not going anywhere. So no, it's not God's will. Now, eight, 17 years ago, when Terry DuPont did ministry at Faith Promise when this church was in infancy, he called me and said, hey, listen, I want you to come preach at Faith Promise. Well, tell me about Faith Promise Church. Well, it's in Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge, what's in Oak Ridge? I've never heard of an Oak Ridge. And so he said, it's a new church in Oak Ridge. We're going to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee, and we don't have a pastor. It's just a group of people that started this church. And I said, not only do I want to come and preach, but I'm going to come and be your pastor. And Terry said, I believe that you are. Now, we didn't tell anybody because everybody thought they were going to be the pastor of Faith Promise Church. Everybody that came said, it's God spoken. I'm supposed to be the man. And, and, and so Terry and I didn't say anything to anybody. So how did I know when Faith Promise called it was the will of God? If anybody else calls, I know it's not because I wanted to. God had already prepared me. I already knew. I didn't know where we were going, but God, the, uh, Bethel had grown as large as it. Well, they didn't want to grow anymore. They didn't want to win any more people. They were fat, dumb, and happy, and they didn't want to go any beyond. Are y'all with me? Which is the bulk of churches in America. And I said, so, you know, if we're not going to grow, God didn't pull me out of the gutter to hang out and sip coffee with saints. He called, he called me to lead a church. He wanted to make it hard to go to hell. And so when Faith Promise called, I said, man, we're, I'm, yeah, I'm in. Count me in. See, God drives us by our desires. Does that, make, does that make sense? That's what he does. And so what is, so how does God drive you? Because God gives you desires. Now, again, you got to have all five. This is where it's not simplistic. Are you surrendered and submitted to the will of God? You know, now, so let me ask you a question. Do you think God has a better plan for you than you do? Can you totally trust God? 
then I, 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 we are sold out at my house of trusting God. We're sold out at Faith Promise. I mean, a church says, hey, we got two campuses. We want you to take us over. And what I truly believe that the more you get to know Jesus, the more you sell out to Jesus, the more you fall in love with him, the more you shredder, the more blessable you become, the more favor he pours out. Revival will break out. It is glorious. Listen, people say, I'm so sorry. I know the ministry is hard and this stuff. Listen, don't feel sorry for me. I am living the dream. Amen. Come on. Living the dream. So the creator of the universe designed your destiny. And he, he, he gave us a Bible, and he, Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your guide, your teacher, and power to your comforter. And, and so, man, listen, God owns all power, all authority. God owns the future. God owns everything. Amen? He owns it all. He's got all joy, all victory, all power, and he wants to give it to us. I want to walk in his will. And you know what I believe? Every one of you wants to walk in the will of God. Would you all agree with that? Because we love God. So, Father, we come in the strong name of Jesus. And, God, we know that we live in a world that it's opposition to you. It's in opposition to your word. It's in opposition to, to what you're about. And, God, we ask you to help, help get, do any course corrections that need to be done in our lives, whether it's our marriage or with our kids or whatever it is, Father. That, that, but even if it's singles that, that long to be married, God, that you, would, that you would line us up with the living word of God. So, Father, move in this, in this next time of questions and answers. God, would you open up our hearts? Because, Father, we really do believe that you, that you know best and that you want the best for us, just like we want for our kids. And so, God, thank you for how you're, how you're pouring out your love and mercy. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Somebody give God some praise in his house. musicians. Man, in our worship set, the, every single person on the stage playing and leading and singing, all volunteers. Man, God has so infused our church with so much talent. It is, it is just wonderful. Now, if you're a first-time guest, this is not a normal, we don't do anything normal, but this is not a normal you know, we're, we're doing four weeks. If you ask for it, this is our last series. So you can text questions to the number that's behind me, and we're going to answer those as many as we can get to. And we've done this, and next weekend is Mother's Day. We'll be back to a regular, more regular schedule. Matter of fact, pray next weekend. We're going to do a baptism day on Mother's Day. Amen. Because, and so, because let me tell you, the mothers that go here, their greatest prayers that their family will be born again. That's a great prayer. So uh, every week we've rotated on every one of the Faith Promise stages. This, this is Keith Gray. His sweet wife's name is Kayla. Uh, Keith's one of our elders, and uh, Keith is the chief of staff at UT Medical and great small group leader, great friend. Keith and I have been meeting for the last couple of years, and I so love and appreciate Keith. And by the way, if you say, you know, I'd love to serve, but I'm too busy. Listen, Keith is a cancer surgeon, chief of staff at UT Medical, got five kids 
four beautiful girls, and he finally got a boy at the end, so I think he's going to stop. I'm not sure. He's got a basketball team. I don't know if we're going rugby, but, uh, but great small group leader, great teacher of the word, and so, man, we, uh, we love Keith and Kayla, and then this is obviously the queen of the house, Miss Michelle, and so welcome these guys on our staff, on our stage this weekend. All right, Michelle, fire away. Keith's All ready. right. <laughs> okay, hot off the press, Keith. How can you tell when God is giving you a sign and if it's God's will? Ooh. Yeah, I'd love to know that. <laughs> well, I, first of all, I think, you know, a sign from God is not going to be inconsistent with his word. And that goes to point number four, uh, being saturated in the scriptures. And you, don't, you won't know if the sign is consistent with God's word unless you're in the word unless you have a relationship with God. Secondly, I will say that, you know, we talk about hearing God's voice. Um, God's, God talks to believers in many different ways, one, through the scripture, uh, or two, it could be like Elijah in a still small voice, but I think you have to have a relationship with him um, and spend time with him to get to know him, to know how he sounds when he talks. And, and lastly, I will say it can come through number, number five, a council of believers, mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with people that, believe in you, can see things in you that you can't see in yourself. But again, they have to have the same worldview that you have, which is a biblical worldview. Amen. That's good. That's great. And one of the points was surround yourself with, the, with saints. And on that, there's a question that came in. It said, what if God says it's time for new friends, but it's hard and you're standing alone? What is God's will for my old friends? Hmm. Well, the scripture is plain that, that if you if you, bad company corrupts good morals. And so number one is, are, are these friends believers? And so there are some times that you can have a group of friends that don't speak life into you, that are negative, that are pessimistic, that don't really walk by faith, and you are striving to do something great for God. And so you just begin to slowly move away and find people that will, because, uh, you know, I'm careful who gets on the bus, my bus. And I'm careful who speaks into my life. I mean, I love everybody, love all y'all, but, but, but I'm careful, very careful. The people who are going to speak in me are going to have faith and belief and trust God and, you know, trust God for a great future. And so, you, you know, surround yourself with people that are, that are like that. And then you're, it's not your will to take care of your, it's not your job to take care of your old friends. Uh, I've got a friend who goes here and owns a large company, about 2,500 employees, and when the economy tanked, he had to lay off about 1,000 people, and, and he agonized over it. We were at lunch, and he said, what am I supposed to do? I said, it's not your job to take care of those people. It's your job to, sh to steward and shepherd your business, and it's jo God's job to take care of those people. But he felt such a onus that it was his job. So those people are, are not your responsibility, they're God's. Okay, along that line, there's another question that came in. As a Christian, should you be friends with people who are gay or cohabitate? Is it God's will to be friends with these people? What do you think? Well, I think you should love everybody regardless of their lifestyle. You don't have to love their sin or, or love the, the situation, circumstance they are. But God said, they'll know you're my disciples if you love one for another. And so if you're saturated yourself in the Word and you surround yourself by saints, you can still have a relationship with them and be God's light. And, you, and I think we're required to love them. But I wouldn't surround myself with an environment like that. But I would be a friend to them. 
Yeah, and you know, Paul deals with the church of Corinth in the first book to Corinthians because there's sexual sin within the church. And he actually tells them to kick this person out of the church. And, and in the second book, he writes and says, hey, he's repented, bring him back. But he also said, I didn't tell you not to associate with non-believers who do these things. See, a problem with the church today is we want to judge the world and bring it under the same script, the standard of Scripture that saints are to be judged by. We don't judge the world, but we do judge within the church. Amen? And so, we, and so it's, if it's somebody that's lost, we just pour love and light into them, you know, and, and friends with them and, and be Jesus to them and share. Uh, this might be a good question in view of next weekend. Um, and I know I get this question a lot, and, I, and so do a lot of people um, that counsel. I got baptized when I was a teenager, but I don't remember it. Is it God's will for me to be baptized again? Well, I would say that baptism follows salvation. Baptism by immersion. So if you were, if you were saved and then you were baptized, then you don't need to be rebaptized. But if you were baptized when you were eight days old, like I found out that I was, you know, as an infant, you were salvation and then baptism. So if, if, you're, if you've got that out of order, then I think that you need to be baptized. But if, if you were saved and then you were, then you were you're immersed, then, then that's all that matters. It doesn't have to be our water is no more holy than anybody else's water. And so. All right. I'm feeling this is a question for pastor, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep us safe here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that's the will of the Lord. I'm just... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling it. So anyway, can a person test God's will? If so, where in the Bible can I look to find where it's okay? And this person's considering a drastic career change and just doesn't know if it's God's will for their life, but I feel pulled to the other career. So, Pastor? Well, my old faithful response is I'm absolutely clueless. <laughs> uh, test the will. Really, the only place that I can think of that, that you can test the will of the Lord is a fleece, and fleeces are dangerous. That was not a normal way that God spoke. You know, Gideon did the fleece thing two or three times, and then God continued to reveal his will, but uh, I think you have to step out by faith, and I believe this is the will of the Lord. Get counsel from other believers that, that, that believe in you, and, and then make the step, and you know, it's not like you're going to... You're going to ruin God's plan. Okay, God's bigger than that. <clears throat> Romans 8, 20, he works all th things together for his good, those that are called according to his purpose. And so I don't know in the New Testament that we can test the will of the Lord. The only thing I recall is he says you can test me and see about giving and generosity. That's right. That's the only way that you can, that you can prove him, but I don't, I don't think you can do that. Okay. To me, it's faith, and it's... You know, when we walk by faith and not by sight, um, testing the Lord is, is just, is a, just, that's a difficult question. That's a great question, whoever texted that in. Yeah, that's good. Michelle, I think, too, that, you know, with the testing, it may not, maybe that's it's not what they're asking, but the Word talks about um, getting God's approval for your actions, even though he's given you prior approval for something that you've done, and, and you have something similar in the future, it's okay to go back and, and get confirmation, I mm. guess it is. David did it all the time. Um, you know, when he, God said, you know, he said, God, do I go and slay these people? And God says, yes, you go. But, you know, the next week he would go back and seek God's 
wisdom and counsel for something very, very similar to what he asked him to do last week. And I will say personally, my, own, my, my partner's here somewhere, and I can't see anything. I don't know how you do this every week. <laughs> I, can't I know see they're out there here and breathing. But uh, he knows. I mean, we, we go through difficult times in surgery with patients and things like that, and I ask God on a weekly to monthly basis, God, is this really what you have me to, for me to do? And, I, and up until right now, I've heard a resounding yes. And so, anyway. No, I agree. Just because he said yes in the past, that's a great point, Keith, we, that we, we, you know, we re-ask. Just because he said yes to something in the past, he may change how he wants you to do it or whatever. Got to be sensitive. And it really requires intimacy with God. That's why I so challenge you to have a growth plan and spend time every day with the Lord so that, so that he can easily lead you. Okay, here's, here's, here's a hard one, okay? And I appreciate people's honesty in some of the things that they are, are texting in. My husband committed adultery, and then he, years later, got saved and baptized. I know God has forgiven him, and his sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. Can I divorce him because of the adultery, even though God has forgiven him? I know everything is in God's time, but how long do I have to pay how long do I have to pay in this marriage for his adultery? Hmm. Josh Whitehead here, uh, somebody else. Uh, oh, that's, that's a really hard question. And I really, it, there's not an easy answer, but I would have to sit down with that person because all, all we've got is just a few lines on the screen. But my question is, have you forgiven your husband for that adultery? Because yeah, you go back and look at Hosea and Gomer, and the prophet took the harlot, and he continued to bring her back as his wife, uh, as God continues to forgive us when we have blown it. It's like he it did Israel. And so my question would be, have you forgiven him, or has that created a root of bitterness in your heart? Because if that's created a root of bitterness in your heart, not only will this marriage go bad, but so would the next one. And so we as believers are commanded to forgive. Now, if that was years ago and he's proven trustworthy, then my question would be, do you need to get counsel? Do, do you as a couple need to get counsel? Because to go back and keep bringing that, when, when you get in a battle with your spouse, it's not time to get historical. I didn't say hysterical, but historical. And so how many times we argue and want to bring up something that happened last year or five years ago? Man, Jesus wiped away our past. And my counsel would be to wipe away his past and to, and to truly learn to forgive from your heart and love him. Uh, because we all step into stupid. All of us step into stupid in some shape, fashion, or form. And so, you know, we've got a great, we've got some great counselors on staff that you can call set an appointment with if you're in a small group. So I wouldn't be looking for how can I get out. I'd be looking for God. How can you make this marriage better than I ever dreamed marriage could be? How can you make me love my husband the way I never dreamed that I could love? Because again, we all do stupid things. It's easy to say, well, I didn't commit adultery, so uh, you know, I didn't do something that bad. God doesn't gauge or grade sin. Amen. You know, but God's scripture says there's a, you, that is one of the reasons you can divorce somebody um, is because of unfaithfulness. But 
there's a lot of things I can look at and justify in Scripture because it's not really, you know, out there. But when I'm faced with a situation like that, not divorcing my husband, but an, maybe another situation, the bigger question is God's, God's will for my life is what's going to glorify God the most. And so what would bring glory to God the most for me to forgive and stay and restore this marriage so that I can help others or, you know, for me to to do whatever. And so that's what I ask myself when I'm put in situations where Scripture releases me to do something, but what is going to glorify God the most? And sometimes it's contradictory to what my feelings are. Yeah. Feelings are bad God. You know, we go by the word, not the feelings. And listen, your feelings are a great caboose. They're a terrible engine. The word of God and the Holy Spirit are the engine that drive the train and the feelings are in the back. You do the right thing and your feelings will catch up. Amen? Amen. All right, didn't these guys do great? Give them a hand, would you?